The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. By bring you the one and only possible message of royal peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. But if you're a narcissist, if you're a narcissist and you believe that your opinion is so much more important than everyone else's, then you'll keep going. And you'll threaten to tear down the team for for the benefit of the Democrats just because of your own sense of self-importance. That's exactly what's happening. They are enemies now. They have, they have made it clear that they prefer a Democrat agenda than a Republican. One of the things that these rebels are pushing for, uh, that these rebels are pushing for, some of the rebels, I should say. The people who are voting against Kevin McCarthy in the Republican conference are aiding Joe Biden, aiding Hakeem Jeffries, and aiding Chuck Schumer, because they are the reason that we are not getting about the business that we set out to do. It's embarrassing for the country. Do you think what's happening right now with Republicans is embarrassing? I think it's embarrassing. To watch y'all look like a clown show on national television. So y'all get behind Kevin. You got your motion to vacate. As it relates to President Trump, they love him when they need a pardon. They love him when they need attention. That's why we're saying it, because we cannot let the terrorists win. That, that's basically what's happening. Why would they do that? them and the conference. Newt, that makes absolutely no. Why would they do it? I think it's a psychological problem. They're mentally deranged, I guess, these, uh, these 20 who have been uh, voting against Kevin McCarthy, presenting uh, another option. Some of their own colleagues are in the, on the Republican side, in the Republican caucus, are, are calling them terrorists, of all things. It's, unbel- it's really a spectacle before the whole world. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show at our website. That would be thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live. And you can watch the show every weekday morning at 11 a.m. here in the central time zone of the United States. Yesterday, of course, we had Richard uh, filling in from the Edstone studio. I understand there were a few problems with the audio, but in any event, we certainly appreciate Uh, Richard subbing in for me in the middle of the week. And, uh, of course, there's lots to get to uh, today on uh, the program. And really, as if we needed one more event to expose the swamp, the uniparty, whatever you want to call it. I mean, this really is doing that. I understand that Donald Trump came out with a statement yesterday saying that they, they all should get behind Kevin McCarthy. But if you look at these 20, these 20 rebels, as Jake Tapper kept calling them on his show yesterday, if you look at the stand that they're making, what they're fighting for, they're, they're doing a great service to the country. It's like I think Chip Royce said it best as they asked him, well, you know, this is a crisis. There's no Speaker of the House. He said, I don't think most Americans are uh, awake at night going, oh, I wish we just had a Speaker. I, w- I wish we just had another rhino Republican in a position of power. McCarthy may strike a deal. I guess they're starting off here in just a few minutes with uh, the seventh vote. In, in a former time, 
if he couldn't get a consensus, he just steps aside and someone else is put forward who can get the 218 votes. It's really, it's really very simple. But for Fox News, Brian Kilmeade at Fox News to call these 20 insurrectionists of all things, of all terms to use, he calls them insurrectionists for just saying, no, McCarthy's got, what, a 14-year track record? You think if McCarthy goes in behind closed doors with Mitch McConnell that he's going to put any kind of restrictions on the runaway spending? He's right in step with McConnell. McConnell came out and gave him his endorsement. McConnell wants him in there. That pretty much tells you all that you need to know. He's a deal maker, and he'll make deals with anyone. He, he would rather, just like we've been pointing out on this program, they would rather make deals with the communist left than with people like Matt Gates or Lauren Boebert. That's just the truth. Listen to Boebert, by the way, as she gives you some context of what led up to this. This is uh, her. On, she's one of the, the 20. This is clip eight. These conversations started back in the summer, and uh, you know we were kind of dismissed then because there was supposed to be this really big red wave. You know, Kevin McCarthy raised three hundred million dollars and then failed to produce that big red wave, uh, even with all of the Democrat policies that are failing our country and so many different um, directions we could go with that to actually gain a massive majority. But he failed to deliver that, and when he realized he actually needed our votes, that's when he started entertaining some of the proposals that we had to the rules and the way things function here in Washington, D.C. And um, unfortunately, he has rejected um, up to the very last moment some of the most important things that we were presenting to him. He's accepted some rules, which are really great, but we're not quite there yet. We want to fundamentally change the way Washington, D.C. operates. If you ask Americans, well, they're pretty frustrated at Washington, D.C., and that was before January. Third, um, and we are trying to fix that. We want a leader who will actually empower each individual member. This isn't anything for personal gain um, for a select few. This is for every elected representative, and they are very common sense um, requests that we have, and we have not been granted those. So Kevin McCarthy had an opportunity January second. Um, I, I brought some of these never, never Kevin voters. Um, uh, there were three of us that were in a room and um, one of whom worked very, very hard to make sure that we were able to get people to, um, to this place where Kevin could get the gavel on the very first ballot. And Kevin laughed us out of the room and then lied about the negotiations that were taking place. So now here we are. We are 20 strong um, against Kevin McCarthy. And as the Constitution reads, he doesn't have 218, so he's not speaker. Then last night she's on with Sean Hannity, who is just badgering her, saying that uh, he, well, she says he doesn't have the 218, and Hannity says, well, you only have 20. So that's not unlike what uh, Karine Jean-Pierre has said, that if you're in the minority, well, then you're an extremist. The mob mentality on both sides of the aisle, it's just stunning to watch. People that you thought had some, some real principles, some conservative principles, but now they're just saying, hey, get on board with the mob. No, no, do not question it. There's no room for dissent. Chip Roy said on Tuesday in his floor speech, so this is what it's like to have everyone in attendance and to actually debate something. I mean, the, the Speaker of the House 
is third in line to the presidency. I guess if not counting the president, it's second in line. It's, it's a pretty big deal. There's a lot of power there. That's why McCarthy won't go away. He has said, I've earned this, as if he's entitled to this position. He's earned it, he says. They say the silent part out loud. They just can't help themselves. Look, I've been making money for this party for years. I've been waiting in line. This is my right. Well, that's not exactly the way it works, according to the Constitution. You know, people have said there's just the 20. Hannity says you only have 20. You know, well, you know who else they have? The American people. Go online and see what people say on social media sites or in any kind of polling and whether or not they're happy, they're satisfied with Mitch McConnell, with Kevin McCarthy. Elon Musk, he's the new owner of Twitter. He came out, I think it was six, seven hours ago, and said Kevin McCarthy should be the Speaker of the House. And then six hours later, he says, uh, subtle, but I'm beginning to suspect opinions differ on this matter. And then he says, if not McCarthy, then seriously, who? In other words, you read between the lines. He was barraged by people on Twitter saying no thank you on Kevin McCarthy. He sees now, just by that one simple tweet, that there's a variety of differing opinions here. I mean, they thought going into Tuesday's vote that there were just five or six hardliners. And then when it turned out to be 19, and then they added 20 by the end of the day, and then they added a, a what's it, just present, a no vote, basically. That's so 21 people. It's not a lot. It's not a red wave, a dark red wave. But you know what's interesting about all of this, too, like Bobert explained, is that McCarthy was confident going into the, the midterms. We're going to have a, a big red wave. I'm not going to need to really worry about the Freedom Caucus, certainly not the ones far to the right like Gates and Bobert. He just dismissed them. He ignored them, thinking that, well, with 30 or 40 seats that we win in November, I won't need their votes. Well, they didn't win that many seats, and now he needs their votes. And now he's in a really difficult position. Is he about to lose a seventh vote? People talking about this as if the country is coming to an end. It is in more ways than one. But this just stops the bleeding. Now they can't send out more trillion-dollar spending packages. As I say, who, who stays awake at night worrying about the House of Representatives not, not being able to do the work of the people? There was a, a race back in 1855. I think it was 133 votes over the course of two months before, I forget the guy's name, Nathaniel Banks, there it is, before he finally won. And people have said about that particular race that he came in on an anti-slavery message. This is before the Civil War. And in some, some ways, according to a few things I read, it cleared the way for someone like Abraham Lincoln to come along. It, in other words, it was a momentous event for the nation. The, the race for House Speaker, it took place over 133 different votes over the course of a couple months. And yet you hear people say that this is the most embarrassing moment in the history of Congress. Can you believe this? Talk about ignorance. Wouldn't it be amazing if, because of this standstill, Kevin McCarthy, there's already reports to this effect, but wouldn't it be amazing if 
Kevin McCarthy reaches out to Democrats across the aisle to come to some kind of compromise with the radical left. Certainly not with those 20. A lot of the rules that they want changed are just, they're rules that were in place before Pelosi came along. She comes in and wants to destroy all the rules so that she can have total power in the House. So here comes some Republicans saying, look, we want to get back. We, want, we just want to get it back to the rules that were there before Pelosi, before the, the real extremist. I think it was Chip Roy who said, you know, we either want the new rules back in place or the old rules back in place, or we want a new leader. Others, like Representative Good, Representative Gates, have said, no way on McCarthy, no, not even if there are rule changes, because they can't trust him. They cannot trust the man. He's a chameleon. He's been there waiting for that position. Tucker Carlson laid it out a couple nights ago, just how desperate he is to become Speaker of the House. This is clip seven. So we thought we'd be able to announce a new Speaker of the House tonight. We thought we knew who it was going to be. But no, the race for Speaker is still ongoing. Voting's been suspended for the day. It's going to resume again tomorrow. Now, the fact that this race has not been settled by now is being described, especially online, by many as embarrassing. And it is embarrassing if you prefer the Soviet-style consensus of the Democratic Party's internal elections, where votes are merely a formality and all the really big decisions, the meaningful ones, are made years in advance by donors. Oh, of course, everyone's on board. That's what they do. But if you prefer democracy to oligarchy, if you prefer real debates about issues that actually matter, it's pretty refreshing to see it. Yes, it's a little chaotic, but this is what it's supposed to be. It is refreshing to see it. And that's one, that's one reason why the Uniparty wants to move this along as fast as possible. They don't want another uh, 1855 on their hands because now you've got national TV, you've got C-SPAN, you've got Twitter. They're exposed. This is from uh, the Daily Beast. The idea has been circulating around the U.S. Capitol this week uh, like a hopelessly lost tour group. If Representative McCarthy fails to win enough Republican votes to become Speaker, Democrats could bail him out or help elect a compromise candidate to the post. They'd rather compromise with Democrats than to compromise. There's a Republican in the caucus that would get 218 votes for sure. There's a, there's a Republican in there somewhere that both sides in the Republican caucus could agree upon. But no, you've got to go establishment. And if you don't get behind McCarthy... They will crush you. They will crush you. That's the way it works in Washington. Listen to Matt Gates uh, tell you or explain to you how Congress works or how it works in the House of Representatives, clip one. But we were threatened by my committee uh, chairman to be on the Armed Services Committee, Mr. Rogers, that if we did not vote for Mr. McCarthy, we would be removed from committees. Our position is that if Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House and we don't have an ability to ensure that there is uh, oomph behind the agenda and energy behind our oversight, that the committee assignments don't mean that much anyway. I'm not here to participate in some puppet show where we pass a bunch of messaging bills, send them to the Senate, watch them die, fail to use leverage, and don't hold the Biden administration accountable. I don't want to relive the Benghazi experience where it's just theater We're pretending back. to be oversight. Exactly right. Just plenty of theater. You've seen it with the COVID lockdowns, vaccines. 
you know, Lin- the Lindsey Graham types that give the good sound bites so that they can get on television. But no one's ever held to account. I mean, you have to give it up for these people that basically they, they've trashed their own careers in Congress. You think they're going to give them any favors down the line? McCarthy and McConnell and company? Uh, su- supposing McCarthy makes it through, do you think they're going to really try to give some, some important assignments to Boebert and Gates? But, but Gates is right. He says at this point, what good is it to be on a committee? Are we just here to give a, you know, a zinger of a question and then that's it? Fauci can continue killing people? Nobody's held to account over Benghazi? People's lives are destroyed because of these monstrosities called omnibus spending? And they got that through in two days, I think. Two, they couldn't even take two or three days to consider how Americans' tax dollars were to be spent. They couldn't debate it. They couldn't argue any of the points. They couldn't revise it at all. They just ram it on through in two days. And then you get to the Speaker of the House, second in line to the President. And people are, their heads are exploding at Fox News because it shouldn't take two days. You can't take two days, three days, four days to debate this. To consider who might be the best leader for the, the, uh, the majority party in the House? McCarthy says, hey, I've earned it. He speaks for just about 90% of the politicians in Washington. Hey, I've earned this. And then you add to that the deep state. All of these bureaucrats that haven't earned anything. They weren't even voted into, the, into those positions. Talk about a uniparty. A swamp. So deep. Listen to uh, Matt Gates. He's, uh, I think, in, I think this might be a Fox uh, interview, but he's responding to all of these people, these talking heads from both sides of the aisle, Republicans, Democrats. He's responding to the criticism, just the avalanche of, of criticisms coming at him and these other 19, clip two. You got people like former Congressman Trey Gowdy who said they called this opposition a clown show on national television. The former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, has said that you are holding the House hostage. What is your response to that type of criticism? Well, Trey Gowdy would know something about clown shows. That's probably how a lot of us would categorize the Benghazi hearings that resulted in people screaming at each other in a big report, but no real accountability. Uh, I remember the Trey Gowdy who went on your network as a congressman and said that he'd reviewed what had gone on with the FBI and the Department of Justice and that they had done nothing wrong and that actually the American people would be happy of what they were looking at with President Trump. We now, of course, know that to be false, and even Trey Gowdy has expressed regret about that. So I don't exactly take a a lot of armchair quarterbacking from uh, someone who during his time in Congress wasn't among the fighters. He wasn't among the fighters. And then he leaves Congress. And guess what? There's a job waiting for him at Fox News. Trey Gowdy. He had some real zingers over the years. I'm old enough to remember them. Really good in, in the hearings in front of cameras. That's probably why he got the job at Fox. But, but who actually was punished uh, over Benghazi? How was the DOJ or the FBI reined in? The omnibus spending that just went through, it gave the DOJ and the FBI tr- huge raises. The IRS, they've got all those agents they're going to add. They've got additional funding. 
Uh, some would say, as I mentioned at the start, the, the House of Re Representatives stopping and just debating this is a good thing. They're, I mean, they don't exactly use the power of the purse to rein in the DOJ anymore. They just give them raises. And Americans, of course, are furious. So you've got Matt Gates and the other 19, and then the majority of Americans. Uh, you can only imagine that Gates's office and the others, that their phones must be lighting up with words of encouragement. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Sundance calls it the big ugly. So what if it's ugly? Expose these people. Listen to Gates, by the way, uh, on what he believes or thinks about taking money from lobbyists and from all these PACs and so on. This is clip three. I believe that no member of Congress, by House rule, should be allowed to accept a donation for their campaign from a federal lobbyist or a federal political action committee. That money all has strings attached to it, and anybody who tries to tell you otherwise is lying. And when members take hundreds of thousands of dollars from lobbyists and PACs, they work for them more than they work for their constituents. And guess what? I intend to offer that amendment on the House floor in January, and I already have Democrats ready to vote for it. He, he doesn't want any members of Congress taking money from lobbyists because there's always strings attached. I mean, this is, this is what you heard right there. That's not common in the House of Representatives or the Senate. People, they're just taking in millions from these PACs or for their campaign from China. There, it, it, I've pointed out before, you know, Donald Trump comes in. He's, he's not beholden to anyone. You know, he didn't, he didn't accept campaign donations from anyone except for just ordinary Americans. He comes in. He doesn't take his salary as president. He just turns it back into the Treasury. I mean, some of these people that, that again, he doesn't quite agree with Gates on this particular debate going on. But, but people, who, who aren't, people who aren't sellouts, sometimes they can say some, some pretty refreshing things. You get a bit of the truth. You get a bit of the truth. Chip Roy, he's one of the, the 20. This was from his, again, just in considering this point about how the, the, the sickness in America is being exposed, for sure. I mean, people, not that they're just uh, watching these proceedings 24-7, but you're certainly getting quite a few clips in the news here in the United States, more so here, I'm sure, than abroad. But listen to Chip Roy. He's the one that got up and said, so this is what it looks like to have the chamber full. This was from Tuesday, clip five. So this is what the chamber looks like when we're actually debating and the bodies are in the chairs. How many times have we been down here giving speeches and there's not a soul in the chamber? Yet this is what it takes to get 440, 435 people in the chamber and have an actual debate. The American people are watching and that's a good thing. What we're doing is exercising our rights to vote and have a debate and have a discussion about the future of this country through the decision of choosing a speaker. This is not personal. It's not. This is about the future of the country. This is about the direction of the country. American people who are looking at this body and wondering why we can pass $1.7 trillion bills that are unpaid for. They can just slide in $45 billion for Ukraine but not pay for it, $40 billion for emergency spending and not pay for it, 10% increase in defense spending, 6% increase in non-defense spending, 
and not pay for it and not do a thing except put language in a bill that prohibits our ability to use the money to secure the border. That bill gets rammed through, and we know exactly how it gets rammed through, because the defense world and the non-defense world come together and say, you know what, we're going to cut a deal, and we'll all go to the mics, and we'll all go give speeches, and the American people are the big losers. That's what happens. We know that's what happens. The Rules Committee sits up there and passes a bill, sends it to the floor, and we have no debate on the floor of this body. We haven't been able to offer an amendment on the floor of this body since May of 2016. That's, uh, that's Chip Roy telling America that, look, we've gone the way of Rome to pick up on the theme in our latest Trumpet magazine. The modern Romans, here we are in the last days of our empire, the nation is sick and good for a few voices. There's not nearly enough, but good for them to speak out and to expose the sickness, to put even their careers on the line. Matt Gates says, at this point, what good is, what good is it being on a, a committee, being the chair of a committee even? This was at the tail end of his speech, same, same one, Chip Roy, clip uh, six. But the fact is, this place has to change. It has to change. And the change comes by either adopting rules and procedures that will make us actually do our job, or it comes from leadership. And people ask me, what do you want? I want the tools or I want the leadership to stop the swamp from running over the average American every single day. A little bit of, a, of an applause, smattering of applause. But the rest of America, I'm sure they're cheering. The, at least a majority. Poll after poll after poll. Mitch McConnell's approval rating was beneath 10% last time I checked. Kevin McCarthy can't be that much higher. In any event, step back, look at the bigger picture here, consider the sickness, consider the attack from within, consider the real insurrectionists Victor Davis Hanson at uh, American Greatness, he says, did someone or something seize control of the United States? That's the way he opens his, uh, his column. This is America under attack. And again, he, <laughs> he deals with it in a kind of a subtle way, I guess, maybe, maybe with some uh, softer gloves because he's just asking questions throughout this piece. It's not quite as hard-hitting as America under attack, but this is essentially what he's saying. We're, we're under attack. Did someone or something seize control of the United States? In fact, it did. This communist movement, Barack Obama, the spirit of Antiochus. And if you stand up against it, well... You heard the montage at the start of the show. They go after you. They go after you, and they are vicious in their attacks. It says, what happened to the U.S. border? Where did it go? Who erased it? Why and how did five million people enter our country illegally? What, what's happened to America, says Victor Davis Hanson? Since when did money not have to be paid back? Since when could we just 
print money indiscriminately without ever even considering how we're going to pay this back. He says, who insisted that the more dollars the federal government printed, the more prosperity would follow? Who came up with this? How, we're spending our way into oblivion, and yet there are people out there saying, just keep spending, and we're all going to prosper. It's all about to come collapsing down and hard. When did clean, burning, cheap, and abundant natural gas become the equivalent to dirty coal? How did prized natural gas that had granted America's wishes of energy self-sufficiency, reduced pollution, and inexpensive electricity become almost overnight a pariah fuel whose extraction was a war against nature? How did this happen? I mean, it was almost overnight. <laughs> These are Barack Obama's babies. This is his third term. It says here, Since when did Americans create a government, Ministry of Truth, and on whose orders did the FBI contract private news organizations to censor stories it did not like and writers whom it feared? When did this censoring operation begin? Backed by the FBI in cahoots with big tech? It says, how did we wake up one morning to new customs of impeaching a president over a phone call of the Speaker of the House tearing up the State of the Union address on national television? That, that, that happened just, what, a few years ago? Speaker Pelosi ripping up the, the address right there behind President Trump. And they want to talk about 20 Congress people voting a certain way as being insurrectionists? That's right, this is the upside-down world in the United States. It says here, of barring congressional members from serving on their assigned congressional committees, Nancy Pelosi, when she had the power of the gavel, the gavel that, uh, that McCarthy is seeking, he spent his whole life prepared for this. He wants that position so bad. When Pelosi had it, she basically said to that January 6th committee, uh, Republicans, no, not going to have it, except for Kinzinger. He just got hired by CNN, by the way. Of course, of course. Instead of resigning in shame, he goes straight to CNN, where he can join John Brennan and the others from Barack Obama's administration. She just barred Republicans from being in that committee. And then that committee... That, that, that committee that was a sham, that was targeting Trump supporters from the beginning, it only was disbanded a few days ago. That's not extreme. That wasn't insurrection. Victor Davis Hansen says, when did we assume the FBI had the right to subvert the campaign of a candidate it disliked? Was it legal suddenly for one presidential candidate to hire a foreign ex-spy to subvert the campaign of her rival? Was some state or federal law passed that allowed biological males to compete in female sports? Did Congress en enact such a law? Where is Congress in all of this? We've got to get, so we've got to get a speaker uh, so that they can do the work of the people. Well, where have they been the last six, six eight, ten years? Impeachment over a phone call 
Did anyone ever complain about misusing Americans' resources during the, the, that sham impeachment hearing? And that went on for weeks. But no, it's this. This is, this is the end of democracy, where they're actually getting together in a democratic way to vote. That's the end of democracy. So say the talking heads. Since when did we decide that 70% of voters would not cast their ballots on election day? Was this revolutionary change the subject of a national debate, a heated congressional session, or the votes of dozens of state legislatures? How did this happen? How did we go to mass mail-in ballots when it wasn't, wasn't voted on? How did we go to this early voting that goes on for, for six, eight, ten weeks? When did the nation abruptly decide that theft is not a crime, assault is not a felony? When did this happen? How can thieves walk out with bags of stolen goods without the wrath of angry shoppers, much less fear of the law? How does this go on? How does this continue? Was there ever a national debate about the terrified flight from Afghanistan? Who planned it? Why? Was there ever a congressional hearing over that disastrous withdrawal that left $100 billion of military hardware in Afghanistan for the Taliban? Did they ever get together in the House or the Senate to discuss that? To call forward Biden's people from the Pentagon, from the State Department, and ask what was going on? People died. Americans died because of that disastrous withdrawal. Little Afghani children were taken out by a drone strike thanks to Mark Milley. Any congressional hearings over that? I mean, this is what they're there for, right? To do the work of the people. To hold people to account. It's all being exposed, isn't it? The corruption, the lawlessness. Everyone's on the take. We've got to get McCarthy in there. I mean, he, he raised $300 million for all of those midterm races. And they were so selective, as you know. Give the money to those that are for the machine, the uniparty, and not so much for the MAGA candidates. Then they get to the midterm, and they don't win as many seats as they thought. A lot of it because of cheating, but we'll leave that aside. What a system. Was there ever a debate over Afghanistan? Victor Davis Hanson concludes here by saying, we are beginning to wake up from a nightmare to a country we no longer recognize and from a coup we never knew. Just this silent rolling coup. You can see it there in the title. The coup we never knew. We're beginning to wake up now to what's happening. People can see it. People can, can turn on C-SPAN and see the sickness. And, and we're not even getting <laughs> insights into the backroom deals, except for what we can read, I guess, about it later. But we're seeing the sickness on display. America under attack. If you don't have this book, make sure that you call our operators and request your free copy. There's no cost, no obligation. one 930 And I'll just draw your attention again to the January issue, uh, sorry, the February issue of The Trumpet, the one coming out after this one. I mean, these last two issues, talk about timeliness, ready for war. <laughs> and then the next one, going the way of the modern Romans, I forget the exact headline, but 
That's the theme throughout. I'll just give you a little taste of it. This is from my father's personal in the uh, forthcoming trumpet. It says, God does have power over these great movements of history, yet he does not direct the rise and fall of kings and the establishment and collapse of empires arbitrarily. There's, a, there's purpose behind God sending blessings in one case or, or curses on the other hand. It says here, there's also cause and effect. You know, we reap what we sow as well. It says here, he watches and responds to decisions of the people, and he rewards or punishes based on the uprightness or wickedness of their actions. As you will read in this trumpet issue, America and Britain are in the twilight of their power because of the sins of the peoples. They're in the twilight of their power because of our sin. That's what Isaiah 1 is all about. Isaiah 1 and Isaiah 3, read both chapters. We'll read the one in the middle as well. We need to come together and reason with God, the prophet Isaiah says. It says here, Herbert Armstrong wrote an article on this subject in the February 1956 Plain Truth. Five major vices are combining to bring America to total collapse, he wrote, to a fall greater than that of ancient Rome. Because we are now more wealthy, more powerful than ancient Rome, and the bigger they come, the harder they fall. We are, we are in the midst of a hard fall. Some people just don't fully recognize it yet. But a hard fall is coming. Mr. Armstrong wrote, it says here, that in a sense, these vices were undercover, but explained, these gigantic fatal vices are not hidden, actually, and yet... Uh, we don't see them because we don't recognize them for what they are. We're totally oblivious to what they are doing uh, to us. Totally oblivious. It says here, finally, it is difficult to imagine America collapsing as a world power, but we truly are going the way of Rome. We must have the humility, perspective, and vision to recognize our problems for what they are and awaken to what they are doing to us and how they are leading to our catastrophic downfall. He goes through some prophecies in Daniel 2 and elsewhere. But as I say, the whole issue really does dwell on that theme, going the way of Rome to request a subscription to the Trumpet magazine. Again, the 800 number, 1-866-930-3024. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to submit some feedback to the show, you can email us, td at thetrumpet.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, Social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within, 
by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. You're listening to the Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Looks like uh, Kevin McCarthy loses again. He's lost for the seventh time, but don't expect him to step aside. He's earned it. He's earned that position. He's staying in for the long haul. Which side's going to blink? We'll see. Rasmussen, <coughs> Rasmussen's latest poll, it shows less than half of GOP voters want McCarthy as speaker. But never mind what the majority of the GOP across America wants. All that matters is what Sean Hannity thinks, or Fox News, or McCarthy supporters in the chamber. Well, let's finish on some really uplifting, positive notes here at the end of this, uh, this program. Galatians 5 and verse 16, it says this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Really, this is what's, what's wrong, not just with America, but with our world today. From the very beginning, and you can see it in the last few verses of Genesis 3, mankind was cut off from the tree of life, which represented God's spirit. And we haven't been walking in the spirit ever since. We've been going our own way. And through it all, just like the next Trumpet magazine brings out, you've seen empires rise and you've seen them collapse. It's happened for 6,000 years. God's people, God's family, though, are called out of this world, as the Apostle Paul wrote, so that we can live a new way of life, God's way of life, and prepare to bring that lifestyle, to bring that knowledge, to bring that education to the whole world, to everyone who's ever lived before it's all said and done even those who've lived and died in vain, without ever, without ever having any hope for salvation, without even knowing God's truth. They're going to be brought back to life, flesh and blood, and given an opportunity to live, to walk in the Spirit, God's Spirit, God's power, God's love. It's God's nature. It's God's way of thinking. It's the spirit of a sound mind, Paul said in 2 Timothy. It's the spirit of power. It's the spirit of love. God's love, not a syrupy, uh, you know, romantic comedy kind of love, but the kind of love where the God family would actually sacrifice all 
for a mankind, a humankind, that despises God and his law. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What a sacrifice. Verse 17 here in Galatians 5, it says, For the flesh, the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary. See, they're contrary. They're fighting. (laughs) They're warring against each other so that you cannot do the things that you would. So this verse here, this passage, like other passages, Romans 7 comes to mind. It describes the battle that we're going through every day. God's Spirit, if it's dwelling in us, and that only happens if we repent and turn to God in faith, and then we go through the process that leads to baptism, we receive the Spirit of God, Acts 2, verse 38. You can look at that later. But then it's, it's all-out war, spiritually speaking. It's a knockdown, drag-out battle, a fight every day. It's a good fight. Paul said that in, in 1 Timothy 6. It's a good fight. It's a good war. But we've really got to work, as he advised Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, we've really got to work hard to stir up the Spirit, to stir up God's power in our lives, in our minds, so that we can be led by that power, so that we can be led by the Spirit. Look back at Ephesians uh, 3, Ephesians 3, and we'll start in verse 16. Again, Paul talked about the power of God throughout his writings, his epistles. It says here that God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. God's Spirit in the inner man, that God would grant you. This is part of a prayer here. Paul is saying, look, we've got to pray with fervency that God would fill us with his power. We need it. We need it in a world filled with darkness. True Christians need to light up by the power of God, by the Spirit of God. I mean, we are the light of this world, Jesus said in Matthew 5. It's not a blinding light. That's not what God means for it to be. But we do, we do live differently in God's church. We, we, we have a different lifestyle. We're not immersed into the ways of this world. No, we've all got our flaws and weaknesses and our sins to overcome. Salvation is a process. But we live the way that we do because we submit to God as our head and we obey his laws. We strive to. We look into the instruction manual that is the Holy Bible. And we follow those instructions. It says in verse 17, That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may, verse 18 continues, may be able to comprehend with all, with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height Some encouraging verses here. God's Spirit just opens our minds to the riches and to the depths of God. Read the end of Romans 11. Some beautiful and poetic verses there about these riches that God gives to us. Verse 19, it says, And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding 
exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Just remember this verse when you're a little bit down, a little bit discouraged. This will lift your confidence, your faith in God, your trust in God's laws. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think. Joel Hilliker wrote in one of his articles, By his power, God answers our prayers, miraculously heals, empowers his work, performs things greater than our limited minds can even imagine. Is that power working in your heart and mind? Is that power leading you? Romans 8 and verse 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You become a son of God. You become a true Christian if you're led by the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is leading you, if the Holy Spirit is guiding you. Notice this quote from the last hour. It says, Does God directly guide you? The sons of God are led by the Spirit. God directly guides and leads them. He doesn't force them. Obedient sons voluntarily submit to their father. It says parents who love their children in the right way inspire a deep love from their children in return. It says that is what God is doing with us. Christ set the example of obeying the father. It says if he's coming in our flesh, he does the same in us. Christ in us. That's a great mystery, it says over in Colossians 1. But he, in fact, he lives in us by and through the power of God's Spirit. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, I'll conclude today's show with some viewer feedback. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Trumpet Daily Radio Show. Is there a more urgent expression in the Bible than the last hour? When he wrote his epistles, the Apostle John thought it was the last hour before Christ's second coming. In fact, it was only a type of our time today. Every detail of what John prophesied is now being fulfilled. Request the last hour. Never before has proper time management been more important, and this book will give you the urgency you need to organize your life God's way. Request The Last Hour. As part of this free offer, request The Seven Laws of Success by Herbert W. Armstrong, one of his most popular books ever. Again, both books are completely free, so contact us now and get the help you need to organize your life God's way. The Trumpet Daily. Some email feedback. It's been collecting over the last few weeks, some even before the new calendar year. This one says here, our favorite clip was Oprah. What? I don't even know if that was from 2022. That's uh, probably the year before that. In any event, Years go by so fast that it's hard to remember if it's from this year. It says, keep up the excellent work you and your team do. You are appreciated a lot. It says, in some ways, looking forward to the daily dose of the Trumpet Daily is what keeps us going. We still watch your show alone 
with the evening meal. You can listen on demand or watch on demand, of course, uh, and you can also watch it live at our website, the uh, thetrumpet.com. This one here comes from Illinois. It says, because I'm uh, on dialysis treatment, they required that I get the vaccine, which I did by Pfizer. It says, three weeks later, I had a heart attack and had a triple bypass. There were no inquiries made to me if I had been vaccinated or recorded any information about uh, about me. He says, I, I've recovered fully 20 months later. So another vaccine injury. <clears throat> Very sad. Verse Sorry, not verse. This is another email. It says, thank you for your wonderful program on December uh, 27th. Super painful side effects. That was the, the soundbite. Bill Gates talking about uh, the super painful uh, reaction to the vaccine was one of the more minor reactions. It says here, very frightening. By the way, there's not a, ho- there's not a whole lot of detail about that football player who collapsed on uh, Monday night. I guess he's still in the hospital in Cincinnati there somewhere. There, I saw one interview that the, the guy, I guess he's a friend of the family, said that it's, uh, you know, there's some positive signs. Well, what are they? I, I, can't, I don't really know. So what, what, what happened there? You wonder if you can trust anybody these days. Not a lot of information. High profile? 20 million people watching? You would think we'd be getting a minute-by-minute update on that poor man's condition. It says here, many are now waking up, too. I myself have ignored notices for vaccinations this year and will not receive any more. It's shocking to know that our government could lie so coldly to the people who trusted in them. Well, it's shocking in some ways. In other ways, it's not so surprising. Another one here says, I think that clip on Joe Rogan of your person, uh, of the person in charge of people's health being a, a junk food consumer or a junkaholic is among the best clips. If a person cannot take care of their own health, how can they help you with your health? He is pretending to be an authority on health and knows nothing about it based on his diet. <laughs> what a hypocrite. If you'd like to email the show, you can reach us, td at the trumpet. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.